At this time, we're blessed to have our second message for today by Barnabas Grayson, entitled Trumpets Looking Ahead. Good afternoon, everyone. Why are we here? It's a question we've heard before many times on Holy Days. Why are we here? The Eternal said unto Moses in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 24, he said, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. So we see that this day of trumpets is a memorial, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. It is a Sabbath of rest from servile work. A memorial, of course, as you know, is a memorial that reminds us of something. It is a reminder a reminder from God to his people. Not necessarily us reminding God, but of God reminding us on this day. We see, number one, that, the, that this is the sabbatic month, the seventh month, that this month has begun. As a seventh uh, month, or the sabbatic month, we can see in this number seven, the number of completeness, completeness and the number of perfection. So, in this month, we are to be reminded that in this one month is not only the Day of Trumpets, but also the great day of atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles and the last great day is at hand. Now, we know that the trumpets were blown on other occasions, that, uh, especially at the time of the new moon. Those were blown by the priests at the central sanctuary in this Feast of Trumpets, everyone blew who would. If they had a horn, they blew it throughout the land. Now, on the calendar, we may see the name of this day as Rosh Hashanah, meaning the head of the Jewish New Year. The biblical term is Yom Teruah. Literally, it means a day of shouting, a day of blasting, and the sounding of the shofar. So you can imagine the sound of this to the neighboring nations that were around Israel who must have wondered what, what peculiar people these are on this day, sounding these horns. We have learned uh, from times past, from other uh, Bible studies and, and from lessons, from preaching and so on, that the holy days serve as an outline of God's plan of salvation, including forgiveness, redemption, and the riddance of sin. In each holy day, we know that there is a spiritual meaning that points us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, both for the individual and for man in general, or put it more personal, for you and for me. So, the Feast of Trumpets serves as a reminder from God of the days to come. Today we will look at some numerous scriptures in a look ahead. Trumpets were 
an instrument often used to sound an alarm, a warning uh, of war or battle. Trump also pictures the second coming of Jesus Christ as King of Kings to intervene in world affairs, as we heard in the first message, just before the button of destruction is pushed. It's all, it also pictures a return of the uh, Christ to set up the kingdom of God on the earth and the cleaning up of sin from the holy place. It also pictures the resurrection of all the saints who have died in Christ who will be resurrected at the sound of the last trump. So, with that comes victory over death when God shall wipe away every tear. Now, we know that we live in perilous times, yet this nation is blessed when compared to the other nations around us in the troubles that they face, the death and the ruin that they face. In 2 Timothy, we read about the la in the last days, perilous times shall come when men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, <coughs> blasphemers, disobedient, unthankful, unholy, false accusers, incontinent, fierce. And it says for us from such to turn away. So, as a reminder of the, uh, the t uh, trumpets ahead, let's go to Revelation chapter 1 now. Revelation chapter 1. We see the, in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. This revelation is from the word apocalypsis, and it's used of a divine unveiling of, some, of something hidden. Uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it also not only points to the power and authority of Jesus Christ in the time to come, but it also points to Jesus' glory in all, this, in all the events that, that are to come. Who bear record, verse 2, of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Some probably would not rather hear about some of these things that are ahead, but we read that blessed are those that read and that hear the words of this prophecy, you know, this foretelling of those days that are, that are to come, and keep those things in mind which are written therein for the time is at hand. Most of us here in Oklahoma are pretty familiar with uh, the storm warnings that we hear, especially during the spring. When the siren goes off, it is an alarm. And if we're not prepared, we, uh, we need to take shelter. We, uh, but suddenly those things can go off. Warnings can go off. And if you're not prepared, you look around and you say, well, what's going on? And sometimes there is panic. It's like when I panic sometimes when I hit the panic button on the Jeep and it starts honking and I can't get it to stop. And I pretend it's not me, but somebody else. <laughs> One time my grandson and I were in the car, was waiting on uh, grandma, that's my wife. 
to come out of the store. So we just decided we'd sit in the car. And for some reason, uh, we touched something and it started honking, honking, honking there in the parking lot. We looked at each other, what did you do? <laughs> I didn't do nothing. <laughs> well, stop it, I don't know how. And the door's locked, we couldn't get out. <laughs> they really built in these safety features. So we finally got it to stop, we don't know how. And then we looked at each other, let's don't touch anything. <laughs> but you can hit the panic button whenever these warnings go off if you're not prepared or if you don't know how to uh, take shelter or deal with it. So when we look at the day of trumpets, we're seeing a day of shouting, a day of tr uh, uh, blowing of the shofar or the trumpet. So here in Revelation, we will be blessed if we read or hear these words of this prophecy. So let's look at Revelation chapter 8. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, a whole lot of incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. So we see these saints from all time, which would include our prayers also, times in which we have prayed to God and made our desires known. And still, you know, some of our desires have yet to be answered. And they're described as incense. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So you have to get this picture, you know, the smoke of this incense, the, out of the angel's hand, this, this image that we're seeing. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So we see that all these prayers of the saints and all those prayers that we have made that may not have been answered, but there's a time coming when God is going to bring that answer, and it's going to come with thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So when we look at the perilous times that we see in the world today, and we pray, Father, send your kingdom, and your will be done, that your will be done here on the earth, because we see the troubles and trials that people are going through. And so we pray for ourselves and for them. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. In Old Testament times, it was the ram's horn. I remember back when I was younger, uh, growing up, we used to attend an Indian church, and they didn't have a bell on top of their roof, but uh, there were several churches in the area, but this one church didn't have a bell uh, to you know, call people to the assembly. And so they had these cow horns, these, these horns. And I can remember the man, when it was time to, uh, for services to begin to call everybody into the church, he would blow on this horn, this cow's horn. And being young, I didn't really know uh, why he did that, why didn't they have a bell. But the, the blowing of that horn was a call to an assembly. And the smoke of the incense, oh, I'll see now, where was I? Uh, verse 7, the first angel sounded, and we see several angels. And the first angel sounded, 
and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees was burnt up, and all the green grass was burnt up. So we might ask, well, how literal are these words when you look at hail and fire mingled with blood? It, this could only be described in, in terms that uh, John saw at that time because they, he couldn't describe what a, an armored vehicle looked like or what a rocket or a missile looked like or a television, what it, uh, the modern things that we see today. He couldn't put those into his own words. He couldn't say, and I saw this missile fly, uh, fly from the sky. That's probably not uh, the way uh, what he saw. We just have to wait and see. But uh, so there are things in the book of Revelation that may not be clear to our understanding today. And we see that this third part of trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. And, and the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. It became red. It became thick like blood. And then we see this picture of this mountainous, this mountainous fiery mountain on the sea, just billowing on the sea. And so you can probably get an image of something there. And... The third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. So pictured was this glowing light that was falling from the sky. Some may uh, look back to, you know, back during the Iraq war where they were uh, uh, showing videos of, of these, uh, these missiles that were uh, coming out of the sky, glowing and hitting the earth. Don't know ex if that's exactly what it is describing. And the name of the star, it says, is called Wormwood. That's what this star is called and this word Wormwood is used only once here in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament it is used eight times, and it's a well-known bitter herb that embitters the waters, that makes it undrinkable. And the third part of the waters became wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter, they were made toxic. So we see that this bitter herb is something that embitters the drinking water to where you can't drink it. If you do, it will kill you. That's what something in the ecology that is happening. There's a quote from uh, a, uh, a book by Soviet-born Victor Haynes and in a book called The Chernobyl Disaster. And he begins with a quote from the sixth, the, from the sixth Oxford, Oxford Dictionary with a quote saying, uh, Chernobyl is a Russian transliteration of the Ukrainian word Chernobyl, which in English is wormwood, because they were made better. We may not understand or see you know, clearly what all of these meanings that are in the book of Revelation are about, but somewhere along the line, somewhere in the future, 
someone will understand these much better. And as the song say, says, we'll all understand it by and by. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten. The third part of the sun was smitten. And the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of the earth, a midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants, to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. So we see these first two, these first two woes are in the fifth, are the fifth and sixth trumpets that are described in chapter nine. I think we have something here, probably uh, something that Lawrence has uh, about the uh, diagram of the uh, uh, of those days uh, of Revelation. Had them around for a long time. I don't know how long we've had them, but uh, you can ask Lawrence; he might be able to print you one out or something. But. We could spend a lot of time going through each verse, speculating, trying to figure out what the meaning could be, and it, it is interesting to try to, to uh, foresee what this could be talking about. But we, knew, but we know that all of these things that we see are going to happen in those days to come, when those trumpet sounds come, that they will be, you know, one right after the other. And so it's just interesting speculation for now. We see through a, you know, the glass darkly, but then it would be made clear. In Revelation 9 and verse 1, it says, The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. These are pretty awesome sci-fi type scenes when you think about it when you uh, if you've seen some of the science fiction that is in the movies or in television and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth now we know that a locust is like the grasshopper that it has you know the wings of an insect and when you look kind of at the front of a locust you see these round uh, eyes that look like if you were looking at it like a, uh, a helicopter or something of that sort and the wings uh, uh, fluttering so fast that maybe it is a helicopter. I know when I first came into the Worldwide Church of God, there was talk about, well, these are probably helicopters, but I don't know. Could be some, uh, something uh, new in, in, in the time to come. But we see them described as locusts because that was the only way that John could describe them, as locusts. If you ever take one of these insects, you can look at some of them, and you know, they're pretty uh, alien-looking uh, creatures. And unto them, these locusts, was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. But it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So uh, the natural environment was to be spared except for those uh, men that did not have the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, 
but that they should be tormented five months. So there's a specific time that this torment is going to last five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when it striketh a man. Has, has anybody in here ever been hit by a scorpion? It's like a burning hot nail. And uh, there was a man, uh, hadn't been stung by a scorpion, but uh, he came to break one time and he had his finger in a cup, a white cup of ice water. We wondered what he was doing and he said he's just pulling grass, he got stung by a scorpion. So one day uh, uh, when I was lifting rocks and things, all of a sudden I felt this sting and it's like it just the numbness went right through my arm and it was a scorpion sting. And so it's a very hot nail type of feeling. But here we see that their torment was as a torment of a scorpion. Now I can't imagine how five months of that is going to be. It, uh, maybe there's a little bit of relief here and there, but uh, it's like whenever you get a sore or something under your foot and you might walk on it for a little bit, but then again, it, pain comes back, but they were tormented by this sting for five months. So in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. So some, it is the thinking of some, well, I'll just, I'll just uh, uh, escape all this by death, but God is not going to let them until they have learned the lesson. God's word will come to pass. Now the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. So we see how these locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. They had armor on, on them. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. You know, they had the eyes, the, the symmetrical look of the face of a man, the nose and the mouth, everything symmetrical uh, in its face. And they had hair as the hair of women, and I gather that to mean the, the hair was long, it was down the sides. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. So you have these, you know, I've never looked a lion in the mouth, but you know they have those fangs that stick out from the side. So you can imagine, well, what kind of, of armor, or what kind of thing is, is being described here by John. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as a sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And you follow where, I, where we live, you know it's pretty quiet. You don't hear too many sirens, you don't hear... Uh, too many warnings, you don't hear too many jets or helicopters or things of that sort, you know. But here, since we moved to Coweta, uh, every other day, uh, you know, we seem, we seem to hear those things and we hear this, this uh, helicopter coming over and I run outside and I want to go look, hey, there's a helicopter, you know. We just didn't know those things existed until I came up here. But they really do make a noise. So here is being described the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And that's what those, those helicopters do, you know, when there's a lot of them. Uh, if you've seen three or four of them, you hear the noise and they're just sweeping across uh, in the sky above as though they're rushing to something. 
is probably more a little more uh, reality to those that are in countries that are facing different kinds of, of battle armaments. And they had tails, like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, they had a ruler over them, they had a, maybe a captain or a, or a general or whatever, but a king or a ruler over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. You know, uh, you could probably look at that, Abaddon is a bad one. But in the Greek tongue has his name, Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. So we see there are four angels that are bound in the great river Euphrates. So you can scratch your head over that. But the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand, and I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. And them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth, and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire, and smoke, and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire, and by the smoke, and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths, or these openings. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. You would think with all this display of power, with all the pain that was going on, with all this suffering, yet they repented not. They wanted to hold on to their idols of gold and silver. In Revelation 10, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and don't write them, write them not. So as we look at the day of trumpets, these trumpets that are to come, we're seeing a lot of sounds, seeing a lot of noise, a lot of thunderings, along with the lightnings and other things that are, uh, are to take place. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, 
lifted up his hand to heaven. And swear by him that lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things there, uh, that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer. There should be time no longer. So those song I write, the title escapes you right now where it says time shall be no more. That time should be no longer. Six trumpets have sounded, and so we see there comes the seventh angel. Verse 7, but, or, and in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, it says the mystery of God should be finished, as he has declared to his servants, the prophets. What is this mystery of God that should be finished? We see the seventh trumpet is the last sound. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 50 first. Verse 50. Uh, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this uh, corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up, in victory. You know, when we're ill or when we have an injury or when we have troubles, we know how weak we are. We know how mortal we are and we know that we need the strength of God to pull us through whatever it is that, that uh, afflicts us. So we have yet on the day to come, on that trumpet sound, when this mortal is going to put on uh, incorruption. Back to Revelation chapter 10. Verse 8, And the voice which I heard from heaven spoke unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which stands upon the sea and upon the earth. The angel that stands upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And the angel said, he said unto me, Take it but eat it up. And it shall make your belly bitter, but it shall be in your mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter, became bitter. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Uh, a couple of days ago, you know that I was not here. I was at home laying on the couch. Uh, had a bitter stomach, I guess you could say. And it's from all that good stuff I thought I was eating. But it really made me weak. Made me want to rest. And so, you can imagine something sweet and all of a sudden, well, it just didn't agree with me. So I ate so many things, I didn't know exactly what was disagreeing with me. 
And so, uh, you know, when you're kind of in, in, in this feverish uh, mode, uh, you're dreaming of things that just don't really make sense. Uh, I was dreaming of food, uh, pizza, chili, all of those things. And it's like I didn't, and, and I actually was kind of sweating in my dream because I felt like those things were making me, yeah, were just making me even sick, and I didn't want to think of any food. But uh, being human, I, yesterday I began to think of food. But I said to myself, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> I'm not going to overdo it. What did I do? I did cut down. We, we ha uh, Carolyn's on a good diet. So that leads me to uh, eat what I want. <laughs> I envy her. She's just got the willpower, you know. To me, food is soda pop, you know, potato chips. And, but while she was eating her good food, I had some nachos. <laughs> Take it and eat it up. But it, watch out, is what she tells me. It's going to make your belly bitter. And so we see, you get an idea of what the angel was telling John. And he went up to the angel, said, give me the book. Here it is. Eat it. But it's going to make your belly bitter. Revelation chapter 11. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty-two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. So we know that in the time to come, there are going to be two witnesses who are going to understand the affairs of the world, who are going to be able to uh, point out the things that God is telling them that's going to happen to this world if there is no repentance. As a witness, the world is not going to convert because we see how they didn't want to give up their silver uh, and golden idols. Instead, they uh, didn't want to quit their murdering and things of that sort. But it is as a witness, and they shall prophesy. Verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies, and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. So we see this very supernatural power that these uh, witnesses are going to have, and if you want to use uh, the literal uh, look at this, fire proceeds out of their mouth. And they have the power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days uh, of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, you know, up to that time they're protected and they have this power. The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. So, you know, you go back to those verses we read where this... 
it comes out, uh, comes out of the bottomless pit. And, and we see that is the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit. And he shall make war against them. He's tired of all these witnesses telling them what to do or, or talking about their sins and things. And so he goes out and makes war against them and wants to kill them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. So we see spirituality, we see spiritual meanings in these names and in these uh, phrases that we see. Where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. They want the world to look upon and see how the beast has overcome these two witnesses of God. And, you know, with all of our news reporting uh, services, uh, in an instant you can see uh, visions from, you know, around the world. And they of the people, oh, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. They're, they're no more here. Let's, let's have a party. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. They're laying dead. Their bodies deteriorating there in the streets. And the camera is on them, and everybody's looking. Wait a minute, what's happening here? I thought I saw his arm move. I thought I saw his eyes open. So that is a miracle that is going to come. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. So they just, you know, just lifted off. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were frightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven. Great voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this, kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and are to come because you have taken to you your great power and have reigned. So that power finally is shown. And the nations were angry, and thy, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, that you should give them reward unto your servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear your name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. In Isaiah 51, 8, uh, I didn't give this to Ryan, but what it says there is to cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, 
and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. We can see that in, you know, in the two witnesses that are to come and in others that will perhaps pave the way before them that there will be calling attention to the transgressions of the people, the house of Jacob, their sins. As mentioned earlier, we live in perilous times, but somewhere along this timeline, there will be a voice from somewhere, from someone who will be doing this. Where will it come from? But, you know, if we look back into the book, the Old Testament, like Amos chapter 3 now, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? You know, when you hear those warning sounds, you know, it does strike fear into your heart at first. Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord has not done it? Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Now, though I read, you know, from the book of Revelation, these things that are, you know, going to be, this is from the prophet John as revealed to him by Jesus Christ. So I don't know, I'm no prophet, but only reading the testimony of John. The lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Publish in the places at Ashdod, in the palaces in the land of Egypt, and say, assemble yourselves upon the mountains of Samaria. So we know the day of trumpets, those days ahead, there's a calling. Assemble yourselves upon the mountains of Samaria and behold the great tumults in the midst thereof and the oppressed in the midst thereof. So Amos was not a prophet. He said he was you know, as a, a sheep herder or, or gatherer of fruit, but was called upon to warn about the future. Second Peter 3, to us. Beloved, verse 8, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And sometimes when you think, well, that's a long time, you know. Verse 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. So we know that those promises are sure to come. But he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So when we're not you know, in, in that frame of repentance, even though we know sometimes we should repent of something. If we're not in that frame of repentance, you know, God's mercy is giving us time to look at ourselves, to watch and pray, and be given that little space of time to repent, but there's going to come a time when that's, you know, going to, uh, uh, that opportunity won't be there. Because, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. You know, that's the ultimate uh, uh, conclusion of, uh, of the way the earth is going. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So, seeing then that all these amazing things, all these awesome wonders that are going to take place, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? There are many things that, you know, as being humans, being people, we succumb to human nature sometimes. We may have it in for someone. We may not like someone. We may not like the way they do things. But behold what manner of persons ought we to be in this day and age. And looking in all holy conversation, conduct, and godliness, 
looking for and hastening, hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens uh, shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace, of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. So, in... 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And when they, you know, that is the world, uh, when they proclaim there's peace and safety, then comes uh, destruction, sudden ruin, unexpected. But brethren, verse, uh, verse 4, down to verse 4, but brethren, you are not in darkness, that the day should not overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of the day. And we are not of the night nor of the darkness. On this day, we have a, a look ahead. What the Feast of Trumpets is about, a look ahead. It is a memorial of, you know, the times past also. But on that day will sound trumpets and voices, the voices of shouting. I've used this, uh, uh, this little illustration before, and it, you just have to kind of get the feel uh, uh, of these words. Uh, when some of you probably, those of you that might be going to Branson, you may go to Silver Dollar City. You may get on one of those roller coasters or whatever those thrilling rides are, are zip lining and stuff. And uh, you'll probably at some point there are going to shout or scream. But there's going to be that feeling of sensation, of elation, of being, of having your, your body succumb to the forces of gravity and the feelings of gravity that are going to make you shout. Uh, a roller coaster can do that. That's why I don't get on them. But <clears throat> I'm too old for that. But I can ride in an elevator and get a lot of fun out of that. <laughs> feel like I'm lifting off, you know. But it's a thrill. So on this day, we have a look ahead. Because on that day will sound the trumpets, and there will be a voice of shouting and rejoicing as you, as a saint, are lifted off to heaven to meet Christ in the air. To meet Christ in the air. So, here is the patience of the saints in Revelation 14, 12. Here is the patience of the saints. We know those things, those days ahead are to come. And we see that Jesus is our aim, our aim of perfection. And knowing that, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And we know, I'm just going to refer to Revelation, uh, to Romans 8. I'm not going to read that all. It says, And nothing shall separate us from the love of God, from the love of Christ. 
uh, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So this day is a day to look ahead and a day to be prepared for the warnings that are to come.